Here we are, everybody. It's the Hard Knocks finale, and it's Tuesday, and I think it's going to be an opportunity for everyone to kind of see what it was like for Dan Campbell and that coaching staff to start the process of trimming the roster down. Now, this season for me has been really interesting, and thanks again for pushing the button, downloading the latest edition of the All Lions podcast, made possible thanks to SI.com and Fan Nation. Looking forward to reviewing everything that went down with the Lions roster, previewing Hard Knocks, the finale, recapping everything that went down, and have to take a look ahead to this Sunday, how important it will be for the Detroit Lions to put out a great performance this Sunday when they take the field at Ford Field in front of the fans for the first time in 2022 in the regular season against the Philadelphia Eagles. So for me, giving my recap of all the episodes of Hard Knocks. I've enjoyed it. Obviously, being a supporter of the Detroit Lions for a long period of time and now having the opportunity to cover the team, it's real interesting in that I had an inside look at everything that was being put together from a standpoint of being able to see the practices, listen to Dan Campbell, witnessing Aiden Hutchinson and Malcolm Rodriguez out there on the practice field and seeing their evolution. So, I thought the series was put together well. Now, could there have been things that could have been done better? Yes. I think I definitely understood those that said, well, when you look at some of the players that were featured, could they? Look, I'm never going to say don't feature the likes of Craig Reynolds, Khalil Pimpleton, and others like Easy trying to make the roster. But I think what made it challenging is Supporters of the Detroit Lions are really rabid. They're hardcore. So by the time their stories got out there, you already knew that Craig Reynolds was performing great in the preseason, that his opportunity to make the roster was going to be there. Easy, everybody kind of knew, was going to be a million-to-one long shot to make the 53-man roster. And Khalil Pimpleton, now that was a unique story. I just wish they would have taken a more football angle, focused a little bit more on some other things that made it so that when, you know, you see him get featured in a couple episodes back-to-back, you've already known, based on the timing, that Khalil Pimpleton had already been released. He didn't make the team. So ahead of the finale, what we'll get a sense of is what that conversation was like should they feature when Khalil Pimpleton gets the call. And that's one of the primary things I think a lot of people want to see in this finale is, okay, what was it like for the likes of James Houston, Khalil Pimpleton, Jared Davis, those that are waiting for the call? You got a brief little look um, when uh, Chase Lucas had an opportunity to talk to the free press, and he said that you try to avoid your phone because it feels like a grenade. Every time it goes off, you're nervous that it's the call from the team to, hey, come head to the facility. You got to hand in your playbook. So that drama can be definitely highlighted and shown just based on the fact that these players, you know, it's their livelihood and you're nervous for a period of time for about 24 hours before you get the call. So Hard Knocks will provide as much inside information as possible. And I'm curious to see what the conversation is like. How much do they feature? Is it short and sweet with Dan Campbell? Is it just, hey, kind of what you've seen in the past? Hey, it's not going to work out this opportunity uh, this time around, but you'll have an opportunity that we want to keep you potentially on the practice squad, or we're going to look to see here's what you need to advance on. And I, I want to see what that rapport is like, how nervous these players were, what that dynamic is 
in regards to who talks to who, how much involvement does general manager Brad Holmes have in these conversations. So for me, thoroughly, each and every week, being able to watch, especially with the family, knowing that I'm there, getting a little glimpse of seeing myself on the screen and hearing one of the media questions. I think one of the only media questions to be featured was my question to Dan Campbell about Aiden Hutchinson. So I'm curious to see how that all shakes out in in the finale. And Tuesday night, 10 p.m. HBO. The good parts of the show, obviously an inside look at everything going on with the Lions. You get an opportunity to see what the hype has been about regarding this coaching staff. And you really take a look at that coaching staff, and there's a lot of good things to highlight, especially with Kelvin Shepard, the linebackers coach, and his involvement and his rise as a coach in the National Football League, looking at his opportunity now to work with young players, and now hearing after a media session that he's also now, also, like everybody else, wants to move up the ranks in the coaching world, wants an opportunity to coach at the National Football League level. And you're seeing that the Calvin Shepard is being empowered by the Lions organization. And then I, I think you know one of the impactful speeches that he gives is talking to the linebackers saying, hey, how are you going to let this six-round rookie, Malcolm Rodriguez, being drafted in the sixth round? If he needs to start based on his play, how are you guys going to let this happen? And I thought that that speech was one of the impactful moments, really getting a look at, hey, we see a player that's starting to move up the depth chart. How do the coaches feel about it? How do the coaches respond to the film when they start talking to the other players? And I thought Kelvin Shepard is a coach that keeps it real and has no problem putting a player in his place and telling them exactly what needs to take place in order for that player to continue to be part of the Detroit Lions and to play well. So obviously the speeches from Dan Campbell will be forever now immortalized in hard knocks, especially following the losses, the tough loss in the preseason opener, you know, getting those pants out and saying, look, we got to shake out the losses. We got to shake out all the crud, the things that we do to ourselves in order to move forward as a football team. And unfortunately, part of shaking out the pants was moving on from a couple players that were causing the issues, causing the dust-ups per se, and the Lions moving on from David Blau and Tim Boyle, even though Boyle is now back on the practice squad, I find it interesting too as well that both of the Lions backups will no longer be part of the team in terms of the active roster. Other aspects of Hard Knocks, I definitely felt like the features that were done on Craig Reynolds were impactful, getting a behind-the-scenes look at his family and the dynamic, Amandra St. Brown, seeing the the family support that he receives and the tough love and guidance from a father who's reached the ultimate pinnacle of physical success. Mr. Universe is training his son, and I just thought the professionalism. I mean, could you imagine this day and age? I can't go five minutes without talking in regards to the gym. You know, you look around, you want to talk to people, you want to see what's up, you want to talk lines, talk football, you know, especially if you're working out with a buddy, you're just talking about a bunch of things. But... And probably looking at my physique, that's probably why I'm not focused. You know, I'm not drinking my own spit. I'm taking water breaks every rep. (laughs) So to see where Amonra St. Brown and his brothers, who are also in the NFL, just in the gym, pumping iron, handling business, and total silence. 
and you can see their dad overlooking. And that's what it takes. I definitely am a firm believer of that style. Hey, be gritty, get in there, do your work. And a moment I'll never forget is just because it's, it's so funny. And I've talked about it now several times in articles and, and, and on different podcasts when his dad goes, look, this is how the average person does a, a tricep pull, a pull down. And he, he starts doing it with the breathing and how does it. I looked at that and said, oh my God, that's how I do it. <laughs> and he said, that's how my mom does it. And he, you look at it and you say, this is a man that knows the ins and outs of physical training, how to maximize the muscle output and potential of his son. And he's out there repping for Amonra St. Brown. So I loved that scene. I, I love that. You know, obviously they, they highlighted St. Brown's mental mindset, a player, a second year player that has to take a leap forward, uh, continuing his progress that he made his rookie year. I mean, a great second half of his rookie season, several games of eight receptions or more, a player that now has earned the trust of Jared Goff. Now in entering 2022 is going to be a focal point of the Detroit Lions offense. And you could see how this was also enhanced by the fact that he was not drafted at the spot he felt he deserved. A mental mindset that everybody needs to really pay attention to can now name at the drop of a hat each and every player and where they went to school at the wide receiver position that went drafted ahead of him. Could you imagine the motivation when you're tired, especially as a young athlete, that extra motivation that it takes to reach the highest level and then to stay at the highest level, I had nothing but respect for someone that uses some negativity as a way to motivate themselves. I think it gives you that mindset, and I just have to respect it. I mean, you see it. You, the, the media sessions are done. Training camp is over. You've talked to as many players as possible, and there's Amonra St. Brown still out there on the practice field, on the jugs machine, getting in those reps and really infusing that attitude amongst the other wide receivers on the roster. So I definitely enjoyed that in Hard Knocks. Uh, obviously, the relationships, the fun aspect of it, the lighter moments that you see with Deuce Staley and with the coaching staff, obviously Jamar Jefferson having the workout band snap into his ribs and everyone not really going over to see how he was doing because he obviously went down with an injury. It went, it hurt. You know, getting a rubber band snapped at you from that force is not going to feel good. And then the other player is just sitting there laughing at him and it gets highlighted by Dan Campbell. And just to have the, me and me personally, I, as part of that show, just love Liev Schreiber and his narration. I just think that this is a, a individual who will be able to just make anything seem extremely interesting. So I'm looking forward to a lot of good things from it. I think that when you look at Hard Knocks, you had an opportunity just to get a glimpse of what was going on behind the scenes with the practices, what the thought patterns were of the coaching staff. Obviously, having a practice where there were no coaches was unique to be there for that hour, and especially the recognition that we all as media had of like, wait a minute, this is very quiet, eerily quiet at practice, and you walk out there on a Monday, and there are no coaches out there. So to see the reasoning that Dan Campbell had given was awesome in that you want the team to take charge. Now, did it help that week? Well, you could argue, but it's a Monday practice after a game. You're not going full speed ahead. You're in recovery mode. So that's the best time to do it. So the critiques I would have 
for me personally, as it relates to being there, is that I'm inside. So a lot of it doesn't come as new to me. So as a viewer, I've seen the practices. I've seen all the questions asked. I've seen it. And as a guy that is a producer, I asked myself, okay, how could this be put together this way? What story could be this way? Now, me personally, I did not put together any of the storylines correctly that have been put out there. Obviously, with Dan Campbell, you knew that doesn't take any extra thought that they're going to highlight him. But the stories of Deuce Staley, Craig Reynolds, Khalil Pimpleton, uh, Hutchinson and Rodrigo and their dancing and all that kind of stuff, I thought they would have gone in, in a different direction. Obviously, the first thing that potentially you wanted to see was Jeff Okuda. Uh, maybe that could be featured in the finale, his rise uh, after an Achilles injury, how tough that was for him to be able to come back. I thought that should have been a story that should have just been weaved through all the five weeks. It's just a perfect story in regards to learning about his history, learning about the injury, what he did to come back from it, the grind, and especially, you know, you could have just went to this local corner and, and asked five Lions fans about what, you know, what do you think of Okuda? And you would have got the raw, visceral reaction of the fans, and then you juxtapose that with Okuda working. You just tell a natural story of a player that is working his tail off to try and come back. And then you hear at the end, you can summarize it with uh, the final preseason game with the media asking about Okuda and then his following media session. You have the story right there that could have been weaved perfectly throughout the entire, the entire run of that show. So it, did, it didn't happen. It might happen in the finale. I'm hoping that's an opportunity to see if that can be featured and highlighted. I thought that Jared Goff, obviously, now the involvement that he had was great, obviously, in the community, working with interns and working with, you know, the community in the city of Detroit. That's what he wanted to highlight. But I, again, another great story. And I just think that probably Goff wants to move away from that story as it was told pretty much for his entire run, his first year in Detroit. But, I mean, you got Amonra St. Brown who's using motivation and being pissed off to motivate himself. What better story to tell than Jared Goff's in regards to getting traded to Detroit? You were traded from the promised land, a team that was on the rise. You could see it with Aaron Donald and the likes of those talented receivers and an offense that was being built and put together with an offensive genius mind in Sean McVay. You see it. And you're there, you're part of it, only to have a falling out to then have that football coach decide to trade you to Detroit for an individual to to then Matthew Stafford in, as part of the deal, go to Los Angeles and then win the Super Bowl. I mean, talk about the essence of drama and television situation. You have a question that you can easily ask off, what's it like to sit there and see the Los Angeles Rams win? Now, he could give the stock answer, but... He's been part of the show. I think that he could have definitely taken the opportunity to say, look, that's it fuels me. It, it obviously puts a huge chip on my shoulder. I mean, I'm there. I was part of the the fertilizer, the, the, the work that was done, all the prep work to get that organization there. I was number one overall pick. And then when it's time to succeed, I'm gone. You naturally have to feel that burn. I feel the burn talking about it. I mean, damn, you get traded, and then the guy that replaces you, this story that a guy that couldn't do nothing in Detroit goes out to L.A. and then all of a sudden wins a championship, a Lombardi trophy for the first time off of a lot of the time that you spent there and you not reaping the rewards of the time and effort you put in all those hours there. That's a great story. And even if he's not involved in it, you could have so many other ways to tell that story 
in a unique way. So I just felt like the big stories and talking about the talent, I definitely understood those that felt like it makes Detroit look like uh, uh, an organization that's not wanting to highlight a lot of their players. You have Okuda, Hutchinson, you have TJ Hawkinson, you have DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams. Obviously, outside of the debut speech, Jamal Williams' story wasn't highlighted too much. You got a lot of Rodrigo, you got a lot of the rookies and things like that, and obviously the stories that are told in regards to trying to make the roster, but you didn't get a lot of the high-end players getting into some of the football nitty-gritty of stuff. So I felt like Hard Knocks left some stuff on the table. So maybe some of that can be featured in the finale on Tuesday. So we'll see how that will progress. But overall, B+, I've loved every minute of it. It'll be something I'll rewatch over and over and have the opportunity to be able to really sit back and enjoy a period of time where I was covering the Detroit Lions and a television show that I watched religiously over the course of the last 12 years. Having the opportunity to sit and watch this season of Hard Knocks has been a joy. Really feel privileged to have the opportunity to have my voice on there asking Dan Campbell a question about Aiden Hutchinson. You all know my background and how that is unique to me and how that um, is something that really will live with me for a long time being where I come from and what got the opportunity that I had and how I've gotten to the media. So I think that the show, I'm excited to watch it like everybody else. I want to see how the show is wrapped up and hopefully they give us the full hour. The other critique I would have is that, man, 53 minutes, 54 minutes, a couple episodes that did not hit the 60 minute mark. Now I know, of course, other shows have done that in the time frame, but Give us the hour and 10 minutes, baby. Give us the full allotment as possible so that we can see what goes on in Hard Knocks. So now the Detroit Lions, obviously after the debut of Hard Knocks, this Sunday, they are going to take their 53-man roster that's now also been altered as a result of a couple moves and injuries. They got to play the Philadelphia Eagles. And some of the early storylines you're hearing are obviously the revenge game from the 44-6 loss the opportunity for the Lions to debut their offense. Unfortunately, a little bit of bad news. Halapuli Vatai, yeah, that's a tough name to say. Halapuli Vati Vatai injured in the preseason finale or so along the way has now, as of this week, been put on the reserve injured list, which means he can still come back. I know in the past that word IR would signal done, but at this point in time, IR means that at least for the first month, the Lions collective offensive line will not play altogether. And Dan Campbell had an opportunity to talk. And I think it was great, like a smokescreen, to kind of give all the options that were available in regards to potentially moving Panay Sewell to right guard, moving Ragnow to right guard, moving Jonah Jackson over to right guard and having Kramer play left. You have the opportunity potentially to utilize Matt Nelson in a reserve role. But I think the best and simple option is to just have Tommy Kramer take over that spot for the time being or Logan Stenberg and see what they're about. So it's a blow. It's not a great thing, obviously, because of the run game and what uh, Big V, as they call him for short, what he was able to accomplish. It stinks because Detroit deserves the opportunity to at least have the season start where everybody's healthy. But unfortunately, it just doesn't work that way. It's football. Not everybody's healthy all the time. It just doesn't work that way. And Detroit's health luck, we all know it heading into 2022 as as 2021 was just filled with injuries. But I think they're in a better position this go around to handle it as opposed to in previous years. I think I like 
what Tommy Kramer could do. I like the potential rotation of moving Jonah over and having Tommy Kramer fill the left side at guard. So we'll see. We will see how this impacts everything because the immediate thing you think about is, okay, the run game. Can the Detroit Lions and DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams still get you know the opportunity to uh, be able to find the lanes and the creases to be able to secure secure yards because it's going to be important for the Detroit Lions in their game plan. Obviously, I keep it simple here. You want to control the, you want to control the clock. The Eagles they are primed and ready to make this a track meet, and they're ready to go with AJ Brown, Jalen Hurts, the run game that can potentially light us up. As opposed, you know, obviously when you saw last year the Jalen Hurts was able to run for over 70 yards, barely even had to pass the football, just on the ground, attacking, attacking, attacking the defensive line and and securing additional yards. That's what Dan Campbell obviously understands, is that the Lions have to stop the run. And I hope that that is something that the team can accomplish. And when you have the likes of Aleem McNeil, Charles Harris, Aiden Hutchinson, Michael Brockers, you hope that the opportunity with the young linebackers to, to fill in the gaps and to close those gaps quickly that the Philadelphia Eagles do not take advantage of the Lions defense. So what do you do? You run the ball. You control the clock. Five, six-minute drives, scoring touchdowns with this offense. I expect this offense to score. I expect in a game potentially 30-27, 33-26 in that neighborhood, four to seven points and a close competitive game. The question mark that everybody's going to have with this team, with the Detroit Lions, is this roster's young. Had an opportunity to ask Brad Holmes, and I said in his annual media session before the regular season, I asked him, I said, this is the opportunity now. You're entering the season. It's a young team. Does this team have enough veteran leadership that when you call upon these players to make plays late, will they do it? And of course, he gave a great answer and talked about the positives in regards to a lot of the young players that are on the team had reps last year, so they have more experience. They've seen some of these things. And he talked about the construction of the practice squad, which still features several players that know the system. And he used the word plug and play, which means if there's a situation where the Lions have to go to the practice squad, they're in. They know the playbook and it's very wise. Take a look at the construction of the practice squad. Most of those players that are on it know the system. So it was constructed in a smart way. The question you got to ask and the real question is, are the Lions talented enough at the youthful positions to handle it? And you can't discount. I know everybody's going to be like, well, injuries happen. But to not have Levi Onzerike, to not have Josh Paschal in the lineup hurts. That's two second rounders that could be impactful on defense. Now you're going to be calling upon rookies like Demetrius Taylor. You're going to be calling upon young players to come in and contribute, which is great. A lot of energy, understand the system, buy-in. That's all great. But second-year Levi is probably a better option than even Demetrius Taylor. So, But he hasn't been healthy. Levi Onzerike hasn't been healthy. Josh Pascoe, not healthy. So, But you got to look at potential. And so like as I'm talking, as I'm thinking about the Lions, the word to start is patience. If the Lions can get to one and one, however you get there, if you lose to the Eagles, you win against the Commanders, however you get to one and one or two and oh, if that's the start, you're golden. You just can't start. Uh, 0-2. And especially with the performance that you're going to have in front of the fans, this fan base is teetering. Look, everybody's positive right now. They're hopeful. Everybody's looking at everything going on in regards to the team, the construction of the roster, how things are going. It's a lot of positivity surrounding the Lions, but there's a lot of angst too. 
people are nervous that potentially this might not exactly go the way in which it's intended. There's a lot of things that could go astray for a young football team. You already have your first injury to an offensive lineman. Uh, The play calling of Ben Johnson, while we all hope that it's efficient and it runs smoothly, still haven't done it in a regular season game. By all accounts, as you know, the media, myself included, asked Dan Campbell, who's calling the plays? And he, you know, dodged that question. And it was a funny conversation I had with another writer on staff. I said, watch, what are the odds he's going to punt? I actually, to be honest, a little bit of inside, I thought he was going to answer it. That's why I tried to fire it off first. And I thought because, and you look at things in a vacuum as to why, you know, you do certain things. As we're waiting there, when the morning media session hit, uh, came across Twitter as I follow a bunch of uh, other NFL media, Brian Dable, I believe, for the Giants, he announced on Monday that, okay, who's calling the offensive plays? So I see that come across and I'm like, okay, yeah, that was on my list of questions. I said, oh, let me ask that first so we can get that out of the way and then we can you know, follow up. Okay, Ben's going to call. What do you think? What's your confidence level? Uh, how, how aggressive can you be? And then and I'm like, oh, this is good. And then as you're prepping it and as you're sharing it with your colleagues, uh, you know, like, hey, I think I'm going to ask this. Is this a good question to ask? Because yes, even though I, I have an understanding of what to ask, I typically will run these ideas by my colleagues that I trust. And I'll say, hey, is this a good question, right? Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. Yeah, okay. So just to make sure, like, because I'm direct. I just want to get in, get out, ask the questions. I don't have to worry about fluff. I don't have to worry about, you know, anything other than what I need to, what is in my brain as information I want to secure and gather and and things like that. So I did run it by the team and they're like, yeah, that's great. Yeah. And then I said, wait, what? I, I bet you, I said, I think he's going to answer it, but what if he punts? Question mark. And nobody replied. And uh, because, you know, the wheels are in motion for those that know, you know, in regards to content creation. So, <laughs> and of course, the first thing he does, he's joking around like, well, maybe I'll do it. And, or, oh, I can't wait to see it. And I'm like, oh, it, he did punt. So we didn't get the information that exactly we wanted. And that's smart. I mean, you don't want to reveal too much, but it's already been revealed, guys, to be honest. Ben Johnson called all the preseason plays and he's got a heavy hand in the work there. So I would presume that Ben Johnson is going to call the plays with a lot of heavy input from Dan Campbell in regards to the scheme, maybe some input on, I like to do this and obviously things like that. But the official play calling duties should be given. And it probably might be released Friday, you know, because I'm not there and somebody else will obviously ask again if they're smart and, and then get that get that information so we can get that uh, one of the big question marks answered. But now here it is. I have to give my prediction. I have a hard time when I look at game one, looking at the matchups of just how this is going to go. Things have to go well. The Lions are not, it's not inconceivable that the Lions could win this game. I could be proven wrong, but I just think that at the end, until... I see those late plays being made until I see those critical moments, the lines rise up. I still think it's a young football team that has to kind of shake out some cob, uh, shake out some cobwebs, like in regards to lining up and penalties, key mistakes here and there. Young football teams, that's what happens. This is the, among the youngest. Now, will there be great plays? I expect it. I expect to see some sacks from Hutchinson. I expect to see uh, Malcolm Rodriguez blow up a play or two. But I want to see the offense moves crisply. I want to see the defense make plays. But in the end, it's going to be a close football game in my mind, a one-touchdown game. I just think that the Eagles 
in football, when you cover the National Football League, I try to always go with my gut and obviously watching film and looking at how the, the matchups will shake out. It's really tough to predict that the Lions are going to win. So I'm looking at like a 33-27 kind of game. Lions lose by six. They're in it. Uh, Eagles pull ahead late with some great plays and especially running the football. I think the defense for the Lions has a lot to prove to me that they can actually go out there and make the plays and make the stops. So I predict a week one loss, but in the future episodes of the All Lions podcast, I do think the Lions are going to start the year one and one and with an opportunity to win, you know, six to eight games if things go well. So I think that the Lions handling adversity, handling things in a, a good way, hopefully will provide everybody an opportunity to kind of maintain their level of hope. That's the uh, that's the goal for this year is, okay, six to eight wins, look good at great moments, look like, okay, this is a football team on the rise. That will be the key. And so I thank you guys again for listening to the Hard Knocks preview and the Detroit Lions week one NFL preview. I'm really excited for the ability to do content with SI.com and Fan Nation. And I appreciate everybody that tunes into podcasts as this great medium is available for media members and reporters to let their thoughts out and to break down stories and to uh, give you guys inside access to all things going on with the Detroit Lions. This has been the All Lions Podcast, and I'm John Macaroon.